Hey yo, ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome into the Saturday breakdown of a two-game slate that every second that passes, more news is dropping for because the Cleveland Browns are a bombshell of people on the COVID list right now. As of me about to sit down, literally five minutes ago, Baker Mayfield is placed on the COVID list, which means for now, as long as there's no other positive tests, which we're only at the beginning of this right now, Wednesday recording for a Thursday release, a whole lot more can be coming out according to Adam Schefter. So you might be saying, Sal, why are you recording this video then? Because I got no other time to do it. So Case Keenum is expected to be under center. That's where we're hoping. They're already down a bunch of their receivers, Jarvis Landry, Jojo Nats, and they're already down Austin Hooper, offensive lineman. They have Conklin already on IR, the Browns, and now they have a couple of their best offensive linemen in Willis and one of the best in the league, Teller, going on the COVID list. So we're going to break this all down luckily as of right now they're the only team dealing with all this uncertainty for covid related on the weekend we'll see what the nfl does hopefully they don't cancel the game and make this video pointless but let's get into it position by position a million dollars at the first place so this is a very big deal a very big slate and it's fun it's a saturday slate starting at 3 30 1 at 7 p.m we'll have a saturday morning especially because of this week being so important with the news that is going to come saturday morning around 10 a.m east coast time i'll be going live to break down the two game slate answer your beautiful people's questions out there but with that being said let's start it off right now with the quarter quarterbacks and you can see right on here i already put case keenum in. he's only forty eight hundred dollars this quarterback slate is terrible i posted earlier in the week on twitter that yeah it's not the most dynamite quarterback slate like you have Derek carr on this slate who is throwing for over 300 yards per game who is throwing for 38 attempts per game and he has currently this year six games of 300 plus yards in the season but you have to break down his season like let's look at it when darren waller's not out there when the offensive line has been a little bit beaten up and when henry ruggs is not out there he's only had one one of those six 300 yard games since week seven though so that's your concern right and, and it took an overtime game to get there now he is not number two in the NFL in total yards. He has been playing still very good for his adjusted completion percentage. He comes into this one, though, with the lowest team total on the slate at 18 points. He is a six-point underdog, and he is the most expensive quarterback. He's my highest projected quarterback, but basically every single quarterback that I have right now is projecting for somewhere between like 16 and 17 points. So for the price tag that he's currently at, and there is now because Case Keenum on the slate, two value quarterbacks in Jones and Keenum, it becomes more difficult to prioritize Derek Carr compared to other positions primarily on this slate potentially tight end with Darren Waller, but more so running back when you're trying to pay up and find that extra money. So with Case Keenum coming out and opening up as of right now on the slate, and if Case Keenum is out, the third string quarterback in Cleveland would start to come into play because of the cheap price point of likely $4,000 slide if he's even on the slate in the projection or in the uh, salaries. That player starts to look good. So kind of where I'm looking at this early on is to punt the position. Now, if you wanted to get to Derek Carr, who currently I have coming in for, I mean, some of the highest ownership on the slate at the quarterback position, pretty even spread out, but some of the highest, you can go to Hunter Renfro, who's the clear option, and Waller if he returns if not Waller Moreo would be my second option there so the tight end and Renfro he's gonna have a decent matchup though number six protection rate versus a top 10 Cleveland pass rush right now that passers has been losing some bodies on the COVID list but not the most important ones as of right now so that's Carr Carson Wentz is probably the guy that I don't want to get to he'll probably be maybe the lowest owned but look number one matchup against New England secondary and they were the number one secondary before that cold weather game so it's not like that's skewing it too much Wentz himself we know that this is a very run first offense he's throwing 32 times per game for only 227 yards per game and there is the narrative out there that maybe bill belichick takes away jonathan taylor and if he takes away jonathan taylor you're going to get a lot more usage in the passing game for carson wentz and that's a possibility but that's when he then has to face that number one secondary that number one secondary where he'll have to lean on a ty hilton and zach pascal who have not been anywhere near reliable options this year especially at making plays especially downfield Wentz himself he's number 30 in accuracy rating he's only 23rd in overall efficiency in yards per attempt so it's not that great if you're looking for a stack I think Pittman and Hilton would be my stacking options but Hilton since returning hasn't been great hasn't topped 30 yards in a game since returning from injury and Pittman has been seeing the volume lately so that is your main priority but he's no cheap player this week relative to most 
receivers. So only two 300-yard games for Wentz this year. One went into overtime against Baltimore, and one was against a, a pass funnel team that you're going to play from behind against like they did in Tampa Bay, and he barely cleared it at 306. So I don't think you have that 300-yard bonus in there, and the price tag at 6K makes him probably the least appealing quarterback. Mac Jones, to me, was the most appealing quarterback until this Baker Mayfield news dropped, and probably by the time I, I'm finished recording this, even more news will drop, so we'll try and frame this in a way um, that no matter what happens here, we have an idea of where to go. Mac Jones has two games over 300 yards, one's against the Jets and one's against Tennessee this year, so solid matchups, you can say. But he's been solid. Mac Jones is $600 cheaper than Carson Wentz, even though he's throwing similar times per game. He has similar yards per game numbers at 221 yards per game, so he's a very similar play. You get a $600 discount on him, and he's not in a more difficult matchup like the opposite side of this one in Carson Wentz against that Patriots defense is. So I think this is a little bit better of a spot. He's the number one quarterback under pressure. He's number one in play action passing. Your main problem is he only has three games over 15 and a half DraftKings points, Mac Jones, but that's you're kind of building that in already, and you're saying, okay, well, my goal here is that none of these quarterbacks really hit 20 to 25 fantasy points. If they're all hovering between 14 and 18, I can take the cheapest one. And that was the goal before this news on Baker broke. So now I kind of lean to go to either Mac or Case Keenum. And I'm probably going to lean more to go to Case Keenum just because he's even cheaper. Case Keenum right now for me, I have all three of these quarterbacks projecting out for a point and a half within each other, a point and a half. So Case Keenum is only projected for a point and a half less for me than Derek Carr, even though Derek Carr right now is $1,600 more expensive. And if anything was to happen to Case Keenum, Nick Mullins is on their practice squad, who I assume gets elevated to the active roster. And I mean, maybe he has not been around the quarterback room as much since he's on the practice squad. So yes, Nick Mullins would then just slide into the spot as the $4,000 quarterback who actually looks good. And I'll just punt quarterback this week. Well, we've seen Case Keenum one time this year. It was on a short week game. He ended up in that game throwing 33 times. Look, he didn't play well. He scored 13 fantasy points, but at $4,800, if you get a similar performance of 13 to 15 fantasy points on this slate, it might not look all that bad. He ended up having 199 yards overall. He threw one touchdown and he ran for seven yards. So you're not going to get anything crazy here out of Case Keenum, especially with his pass catching options down, but you're basically playing the price tag. So the way that I would look at this slate is Derek Carr is the one who's actually going to throw the most. He has the most upside, but if you get a game environment in a situation where, okay, it's looking like all these quarterbacks are going to score pretty close, just punt the position. So kind of anchoring it, either you're betting on the fact that Derek Carr can outscore all the rest of these guys by 10 plus points, or you're punting the position. I lean to punt the position early on. And let's slide into the wood is probably the most important position on the slate in terms of it's got the best players, the best pay up options, the most usage out of a position, and probably where most of the chalk and the ownership comes in. And we can reference that on our Patreon projections, but that's going to be running back. And as we slide into running back, I do want to let you know about the props that I've taken for this slate, because let's give you a little bit of a prequel to the running back position and close up quarterback. I've taken Derek Carr under 250 and a half passing yards. So this is a way to just bet on the fact that he has not been playing nearly as well. Yeah, the guy himself has barely gone over 250 yards in a lot of these games recently because of just not having the proper pass catching weapons. This would kind of be on a bet on Darren Waller not playing, right? Because that would be an upgrade for Derek Carr in his passing games. It's a tough matchup. Derek Carr under pressure has not been a good quarterback ever in his career. And now he'll be under pressure by one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, right? Led by Miles Garrett. So we'll take the under 250 and a half and the over on the rushing yards of Nick Chubb, 79 and a half. The more players that get rolled out, the better this looks for Nick Chubb. Now the offensive line is not going to be great. So the efficiency might not be there. But this could be a Nick Chubb run 25 times a game type of thing, right? Especially with no Kareem Hunt expected in this one. So that's where the props that I take are. And the big news here is that you can get a free bet up to $100, right? That's been the special for prize picks. But the other thing is this holiday special that I'm running for the remainder of the week. So be sure to get in limited time offer. You also get my daily fantasy sports course, the NFL one for free. It's 10 plus hours of videos, a bunch of downloadables. It's $100 if you just go and try and get it without this bonus code. But if you use the code class, C-L-A-S-S on prizepicks.com, that code class, you get a free bet up to $100. So you can use that lovely time to use it right now as the holidays are here saturday football use it whenever you want and you get the free dfs course that you can take at your own time your own leisure you'll get that course emailed to you with this email that you use to sign up for prize picks at the deposit with that code class so there you go let's check it out now and let's slide into the running back position 
And as we slide into the running back position, I continuously click to update. We'll go salary range, by the way, by salary range. We'll go all the way down to $4,000 flat because there's some legit plays down there. But I keep updating my Twitter to make sure that uh, nothing is popping up news-wise that's going to be so important because that's just how it's going to be right now, it seems, with so many people going on the COVID list. So uh, up top, Jonathan Taylor, $9,200. Yeah, I mean, there's the narrative that Bill Belichick, oh, he's just going to try and take away Jonathan Taylor, put an extra man in the box, and tell Carson Wentz to beat you against a solid secondary that you have back there, right? And I think that that's probably the way they try and play this, which if that's the case, maybe you get a little bit more of a Michael Pittman, a little bit more of a T.Y. Hilton punt play. But Jonathan Taylor himself is still, even though teams have been trying to do that. Now, Bill Belichick is one of the better players at, or coaches at doing that. But you're going to get a matchup here where you have one of the better run blocking units. And that's hence why Jonathan Taylor has been playing well. But Jonathan Taylor himself has been playing great. Seven straight games of 100 plus yards, 16 total touchdowns in the year. He has 11 out of 16 touchdowns are inside the five yard line. So if they can get into the red zone, odds are you're going to be getting Jonathan Taylor a couple touches there. 73, this is a big one. And I ended up posting this on Twitter because this was pretty crazy. 73 red on rushing attempts this year is 32 more than anybody else that same 32 difference is the next gap between number two and like number 56 right now so this role is just absolutely elite all they want to do is run the ball they trust him way more than Carson Wentz and how can you blame them the man seeing over 22 opportunities per game he's seeing close to four targets per game and, and the pass catching role is nice three plus receptions in five of his last seven games there's a game in there where he doesn't have a reception last time out versus Houston because he was just able to run non-stop on them 30 plus times right so he has 20 plus drafting points in 10 straight games the biggest question is do the Patriots are they able with their top 10 run defense to take away Jonathan Taylor and because of that is this price point justified the price point is justified he's a favorite in this game the highest team total on the slate as a two-point favorite the question then becomes though he is on a two-game slate going to be 90% owned do you go away from it I personally find these situations to be I think you're worse off going away from it like just the workload that he's going to see he has some work what of a pass catching role I think you're worse off going away from it because if he's like 90% owned on this two-game slate and I think that's what it's going to be you're almost hurting yourself more not playing him like if you play him and he goes off, okay, everybody has him, sure, it's just a free square. If you play him and he doesn't go off, well, everybody has him and it's just a free square. Those 10% of people still have to get the perfect lineup right to end up beating you. So I think it's almost, I, don't, I think it almost hurts you more trying to fade him. You have to fade him and then take advantage of it even more. So, so many things have to happen here. And he projects out well for me still, even trying to take into account this Patriots defense. He's a favorite in this game with a nice team total. He projects, projects out for over 20 fantasy points, three more than anybody else on the slate at the running back position for me. So next up is going to be Nick Chubb and he's going to continuously look better. You're problem now becomes he's still going to be a favorite in this game but your problem now becomes like neither of these games have great totals a 46 uh, game total for Indian New England a 42 for uh, Cleveland and the Raiders so your problem becomes does Nick Chubb start to see some targets because he, he might he should see 25 touches in this game on the ground but their entire offensive line is out now their quarterback is out the entire defense knows it what they're probably going to do is that it's a better matchup against Vegas no doubt about it and in the last three games without Kareem Hunt you're getting Nick Chubb to see this better role right he's ends up seeing 24 opportunities 16 and 17 in the last three games without Kareem Hunt and his routes run have been going up in those games six eight and twelve leading to uh, over his last three games without hunt five targets can he see a little bit more usage there in the receiving game now is the question with case keenum or nick mullins potentially but that big problem is there's no conklin there's no willis there's no wyatt teller there's no drew forbes who's a depth guard on that team matchup against raiders run defense is a solid one though it keeps nick chubb in play for me and nick chubb's volume and opportunity share is only going to go up i think that nick chubb is probably as it stands right now the most appealing running back on the slate because of what that volume is going to look like but i think a guy in josh Jacobs at 6,600 on the opposite side. Terrible team total. Comes in as the biggest underdog on this slate at plus six. But Josh Jacobs at least finds himself with this interesting role. A role that I think is going to be very, very appealing, right? He became a victim of game script last week. He kind of caused that game script. He had a six-point fumble return back right away on the first drive by the Chiefs. But it, he's had 74% of the snaps in three straight games after not topping 70% all year. So he's getting this full-time role. And since John Gruden has been gone, you've been seeing this more featured role for Josh Jacobs and the coaching staff. You've been seeing less Jalen Rashard when he's actually been 
healthy. Now Kenyon Drake is banged up. So this is nice. You're getting a healthier Josh Jacobs. No Kenyon Drake. Probably even when Jalen Richard returns, not like a featured role for him because he was kind of the project for John Gruden, if you will. And it's nice. You're getting 28.7 routes per game these last three weeks. A very secure floor, like 12 fantasy points last week, even in the most extreme of blowouts. The problem is his offensive line is terrible at run blocking. And now he goes up against a good defensive line as an underdog. You need, you need that pass catching role to continue for Jacobs here. But it's kind of built into the price point. Like Jacobs is the one where you have an expensive Taylor. You have an expensive Nick Chubb. And then Jacobs is really the only workhorse back left on this list. So I like Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb and Jacobs is a perfect way to kind of get different on the slate, especially if you're going to build a Derek Carr type of a lineup and want to get away from Jonathan Taylor. Again, don't think you need to do that though. Uh, But the way that it grades out right now in this order, it is Jacobs, Taylor, and Nick Chubb for me projecting out as like the top values. And But Nick Chubb, if the ownership will be lower on him with this workload that's going to come in, I'll like that. This next range of the New England running backs as we slide down a little bit, it's difficult. Like Damian Harris, I have as a no. I don't like the price tag to begin with. But number two, like he's dealing with a hamstring injury and he had the bye week, yes, but early on in the week, he's getting in limited sessions. I don't think any of that's going to matter. I don't think he's going to practice full. And I don't think we're going to find out until probably Saturday and what his status is when the inactives come. So you have to track that news. If he's out, obviously, Ramondre Stevenson is going to look like a fantastic play. If he's in, I make see both of them not look great. If you had to choose one, I'll choose the cheaper one who's getting similar work. The phrase they used was they're taking a patient approach on Damian Harris. So I don't know what that means, but he's seeing 15 opportunities per game this year, but only 48 and a half percent of the snap opportunity share. That ranks 35th in the NFL, which means that he's in a clear backfield by committee. He has not topped 12 targets, I believe, right now in over a month. Even if he's active, I'd expect his hamstring injury to be less than 100%. So even there's a limited role. So I'm really struggling to find the ways where Damian Harris is a solid play this week, as opposed to his teammate, Ramondre Stevenson, who I like. Like if there's no Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson at $4,900, 20 plus touches are inbound. We saw him as a starter once this season. He ended up going out there in that game and having 114 yards, two touchdowns, right? He saw 20 attempts. He saw five targets. He had a full-time role at 60% of the snaps. When Harris left in that weather game, right? He ended up seeing 60% of the snaps again, 24 attempts, 78 yards on the ground, and ended up seeing like the full-time role there. So that's the role that you have to look for. Ramondre Stevenson, he's the he's the only running back I'll touch regardless of if Harris is in or out, but obviously becomes a priority if Harris is out. Track just the status of this whole Cleveland Browns team still. I keep refreshing it on my other screen right here because if anything happens to Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson is out there, we'll just a plug and play with Dearness Johnson. Otherwise, though, Johnson was only playing like 30% of the snaps as the backup in games with Chubb out there. You were getting uh, 30% of the snaps in eight attempts, four attempts, five attempts. It's not that great of a role. Some of the final plays on the slate, Brandon Bolden is more so in play if there is no uh, Damian Harris out there. Otherwise, Bolden probably plays 25% of the snaps, maybe sees a couple of targets as an underdog in this game. It becomes a little bit more appealing for his target share, which keeps him in play. But the guys who look a lot more appealing in this low $4,000 range, like punting Demetric Felton out of UCLA. He's the hybrid running back wide receiver type player. He ran six snaps out of the slot last week. He is this running back that is going to be used as a wide receiver because there's no Landry. There's no Natson. They're at the point where they have Ryan Switzer. He's on IR. Like they have no real receivers left. I posted on Twitter the other day, like what the receivers right now are for this team. It's People Jones on the outside. It's Schwartz who's questionable. And if he plays, he'll be on the outside as well. And then all that's left is Rashad Higgins, Demetric Felton, and Lawrence Cager. So I think as of right now, if Schwartz was not to play, which it's trending that way. People's Jones and Higgins on the outside, Felton in the slot, and then Cager, I guess, is active as the wide receiver four on the team. And Felton at $4,000 flat, yeah, you're giving up a position in your roster to where you can have one of these three stud type uh, for this slate, at least, uh, running backs. But there is a chance that Felton is featured for 20 to 24 routes as a slot receiver. And with a backup or maybe even third string quarterback in, you see a little bit more targets, maybe a five catch 50 yard day for Demetric Felton at 4K flat. So he's definitely, if you're looking to punt a running back on this slate, it would go to Felton. If Harris is out and $4,900 Stevenson opens up, you don't even have to worry about going down there. You just take the secure thing with Ramondre Stevenson. Next up, we transition to the wide receiver position where there's a lot of solid punt plays. And this is where you would have to find value similar to the Thanksgiving slate. These shorter slates, normally there's 
there's going to be value at the wide receiver position because there's just more options there, generally speaking. So it's kind of Hunter Renfro and then everybody else. Like Hunter Renfro, three straight games of 100 plus yards. He's looking good. This is going to be the guy who picks up all the ownership because he's been so damn consistent, especially if Waller was to miss again. I mean, in the last three games without Waller, he's averaging 11 targets per game, 350 yards on 10 receptions per game. In week 14, he ended up seeing 14 targets and the other three receivers on the team who ran routes into Sean Jackson, Zay Jones, and Brian Edwards only saw nine targets. So he looks good. Hunter Renfro is not somebody that I'm looking to completely fade. I have him projected as the highest receiver on the slate. I would say though, if you're choosing between paying up at running back or paying up at receiver, I would rather pay up for Jonathan Taylor than pay up for Renfro. I get it that there's a $2,000 difference there, but that's just where you're going to find way, way, way more secure opportunities. Next up is going to be Michael Pittman here. Pittman at $5,900 looks really good. I mean, he has a really tough matchup versus New England secondary, but the volume, I was concerned about the volume mid season, but it's starting to go up. Week 12, he sees 10 targets. Doesn't produce much like nine fantasy points versus Tampa Bay, but 10 targets. Last week against Houston, eight targets, scores 13.7 fantasy points, uh, six receptions for 77 yards. I think it's a difficult matchup versus New England secondary, but if they're forced to throw a little bit more in this game, or at least back and forth a little bit more, I think that you're going to have a nice size advantage versus all these cornerbacks. 6'4", 225 pounds, athletic, underneath routes for Michael Pittman. Looks solid. F Pittman at $5,900. If you're choosing between these guys up top, I'll actually choose Pittman for the price decrease over Renfro. Landry, as of right now, is on the COVID list. It's not looking great. Not, no real players returned in the same week, so I'm assuming that he is not going to be out there. That's as of right now, though, so we'll see. He got put on it on Monday, so there's a chance he can come back, but I'm assuming he's not going to be there. We put him as a no. Then you get these Patriots receivers, who I think look good. I mean, I think that Kendrick Bourne is getting a little bit overhyped here. Like, this dude basically has to score a touchdown. He's only top 20 routes in a week two times this year. He doesn't stay on the field in two wide receiver sets. That's Nelson Aguilar, and that's Jacoby Myers. They're running a lot more one wide receiver sets since they want to run the ball with a couple tight ends in the field, and that's leading to mainly Jacoby Myers in the field, so there's not as much opportunities there. He only has a 14% target share. He's averaging four targets per game, right? In games where Kendrick Bourne does not score a touchdown this year, and I'm, I'm excluding for all these Patriots guys any numbers from that weather game because it was obviously so skewed. Only three pass attempts for Mac Jones, but in games where he doesn't score a touchdown, excluding that week, only 7.7 .7 fantasy points. And 7.7 .7 fantasy points isn't terrible, but is it something you want to pay $5,300 for? Not really, especially when Jacoby Myers is right there at 5,100. I mean, Myers is a way better play than Bourne. Bourne is in play in GPPs. He's a B letter grading for me, but Myers is a B plus because Myers continues to see the volume. Again, if you kind of just take away that weather game, the game before that, Myers saw 120 air yards. It was the second most he's seen since week three. He ended up having eight targets in that game, five catches, 98 yards. So people are going to kind of forget that he is still the main receiver with a 24% target share and seven targets per game on this season. So go ahead and go out there and get yourself some Mr. Jacoby, 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 Jacoby Myers. He's a very fair price point. These guys in this range right here look really freaking good. I mean, everything that's happening in Cleveland is going to make Donovan Peoples-Jones look really freaking good. Donovan Peoples-Jones is $4,500. And look, he's kind of been this boomer bust guy. He now is a backup quarterback in. There's no, there's not going to be a lot of time for Case Keenum to throw the ball. Kevin Skafanski, the coach is not going to be there. So you have to hope that the coaching scheme who will be out there is going to be able to scheme something open for him. But he's operating as the X receiver. He's coming off of a seven target game last week where he saw downfield usage. The problem is he's very boomer bust. Like he has a couple of big games over the past month and a half, but those are really like on Hail Mary type throws where he found the end zone. Because in week 10, you see a five targets, one catch. Week 12, you see five targets, two catches. It's very boomer bust on does he connect. And now there's not an offensive line to give Case Keenum or Nick Mullins time to throw. So what is going to happen, right? So it's not as secure. I would say that Jacoby Myers is the more secure play, but I would expect the ownership to be indicating that as well. That being said, though, Mr. Donovan Peoples-Jones, DPJ himself, this, this athletic specimen, they have him. Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, Jim Harbaugh just kills these guys in college in terms of their upsides, wanting to run the ball and play defense. But yeah, I mean, they have this dude out there running 33 routes a game over the last month of the season. It's obviously something that you have to keep in mind and be aware of. So Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jacoby Myers are the guys in that mid-range that stand out to me. And then you can have T.Y. Hilton. He has to remain in play, but I mean, the dude's not topping right now 28 yards since returning uh, over his last eight games. He's averaging a little bit under four targets per game. It's kind of touchdown or bust in a tough matchup. Deshaun Jackson is priced 
price at 3700 even though he's operating as the wide receiver four he's more expensive actually than zay jones who's the clear wide receiver two you get the the thanksgiving day upside of the deep play actually connecting for him and leading the league in deep attempts is Derek carr so it keeps him in play i would prefer these next two guys i would prefer zay jones and nelson aguilar to the hiltons and deshaun jacksons one they're cheaper zay jones continues to operate he ran 40 routes last week operate as the clear wide receiver two he's now ran 28 or more routes in four of the last five games coming off of a five catch six target game he's only getting a little bit more comfortable out there he's just going to get more usage and i'll take the usage at this price point especially since people know the names hilton and deshaun jackson more naturally speaking i think they come in with more ownership same thing can be said for nelson aguilar he's staying on the field a lot more in two wide receiver sets he's running 20 routes in five of his last six games if we don't count that weather game so you have nelson aguilar i mean relative to two thousand dollars less than a um kendrick Bourne. and i get it kendrick Bourne is scoring the touchdowns but aguilar is seeing right now more targets per game more routes per game the problem is he's not getting downfield usage either in terms of air yards he's only had 55 as his highest air yards number in the last five games so if i had to choose in this exact range of the three thousand dollar range and then really this upper 3k range i'd probably choose zay jones as my main option but aguilar i like for just downfield upside at low ownership numbers i'm completely out on brian edwards at this point i don't think he's really producing anything for us to have confidence in him and the final players in the slater on the screen right now i think that ashton doolin only ran one route and ended up being a touchdown last week i think they should use him more but they're not right now so you can only say so much about that pascal has to be in play at 3300 he's mainly on the field a lot because he's a great run blocker so they're running so much so he stays on the field like he's not seeing a lot of volume by any means but when they have to play from behind the neutral game scripts he runs those 20 to 25 routes he ran 40 plus routes against tampa bay uh, he's going to play 80 percent of the snaps he has a good pass catch or a run blocking role it's less about his pass catching upside and then the guys you have to keep in mind are just these cleveland guys like rashad higgins is going to operate i would assume as the wide receiver too this week he's a veteran he had the connection with baker but now baker is out but higgins is a veteran who was a healthy scratch in week 12 uh, only played 38 percent of the snaps in week 14 led to 16 routes and no targets but i assume he steps up he plays on the outside he could also play in the slot right he's a prototypical slot receiver so if there's anthony schwartz finally plays i think you get the rookie schwartz on the outside with donovan peoples jones and then higgins goes into the slot which would bump down the interest that we have in Demetric felton but if schwartz is out i think higgins moves to the outside a lot more often not every play then you see felton go into the slot uh, you might end up seeing cager lawrence cager you don't even know the name you probably shouldn't he might get activated and move to the outside with higgins in the slot either way i think that three thousand dollar flat higgins is the best punt play Anthony Schwartz will open up though if he's indeed active he's been battling for I believe the last three weeks now with concussion so just track that status but these Cleveland flat minimum price guys because of how cheap they are they open up a lot more for you on the slate Higgins being a veteran being an actual solid player somebody they, they committed another contract to this offseason he's probably the best overall punt play and he's the cheapest so that ends up looking pretty dang good this week we assume that he's going to be active assuming he stays off the COVID list which is something that I continue to continuously update on my end over here so that's the wide receiver position it kind of starts up top with a couple guys like Renfro's a secure guy for just the volume it's hard not to like that uh, you have Michael Pittman because of where the value is you have punt quarterbacks you have kind of punt running backs if you wanted to go to Felton or if Stevenson opens up but punt quarterbacks clearly you have like six or seven viable guys in the 3k range at receiver and we're about to get to tight end it, it's just very easy to build a lineup where you can get whoever you want you can get the three pay up running backs which I think will be a common build get your uh, Jonathan Taylors get your Jacobs and your Nick Chubbs and go from there I think that'll be a very common build especially if you're gonna have multiple starting receivers in the three thousand dollar range but now let's transition to the tight end position and at tight end this week, it is very simple. I mean, this is the best positionality advantage you will have. If Darren Waller plays this week, I play him. I don't care. I don't care if he's 85 or 90% owned. I play the dude if he's going to be playing this week. The man who's seeing eight and a half targets per game. The man who is very, very damn good at football, especially relative to these other guys. Like Austin Hooper, he's not going to play this week. He's 4,400. If Darren Waller goes, you're playing. And I do think that there's an ability for you to play a double tight end in the flex, specifically with one of these Cleveland Browns tight ends, depending on how they filter out for the rest of the week. But it's just difficult to like anybody 
everybody else. Like Waller will actually see volumes, right? Seven plus targets in all but one game this year. He's a clear smash play and he'll probably be 80% on, but there's no other strong tight ends plays on the slate besides what's going to happen in Cleveland. So you go down a little bit more. Like Hunter Henry, I can't be interested in Hunter. So Hooper, by the way, he's on the COVID list if you don't know. Hunter Henry, I, I, I'm not that interested. Like the guy's averaging five and a half fantasy points per game when he doesn't score a touchdown, if you exclude that weather game. So he has 14 total red zone targets on the year, which is great. He's getting a lot of red zone usage. Maybe he scores a two touchdown game, but other than that, it's tough to want to get there. Foster Murray, who I have interest in only if Waller is out. Like if Waller is out, I go right back to Foster Murray. I know he hasn't been producing, but he is still an athletic tight end. He has very good measurables. And he ends up playing last week, 100% of the snaps running 42 routes, seeing six targets. So it's not great numbers, but it at least has to remain in play. So I'm interested in the, the Raiders tight ends and the Cleveland tight ends. So the tight ends from that game is kind of where I'm looking more so because Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox, these dudes running 12 or 14 routes, they're touchdown or bust. And even then they might not be worth it enough if they don't get the volume. But the guys that do appeal to me is going to be this range right here, these Cleveland tight ends. So the Cleveland tight end situation is Austin Hooper is on uh, the COVID list. So is Carlson. So is David Njoku at this point. They got guys on IR. And then basically what you're looking at is Miller Forrestal might be the only tight end active if everything breaks wrong, which is scary. But apparently David Njoku is trending to play. He's on the COVID list. He got put in at the beginning of last week. So he's eligible to return. He's apparently not having symptoms. So he's trending to return. Harrison Bryant is dealing with a high ankle sprain that he suffered two and a half weeks ago. Normally that's something that takes like four or six weeks to come back from. All the reports are always doing so well. I'm hesitant and I'm a little bit weary if he's actually going to play this week. Again, a high ankle sprain, especially for a tight end who has to put a lot of pressure on it. It's hard to come back from in three weeks, right? even when their team needs you. So it's usually a month to a month and a half recovery. So there's a good chance David Njoku, former first round pick, former, uh, not former, but current athletic freak, might be the main source at the tight end position for them this week. And let, let's look at it. They're already showing an expanded role uh, before he missed week 13, right? Weeks 10 through 12, 60% of the snaps, 64 and 73% of the snaps. He ended up seeing four, four and five targets in those games. And he's picking up a role. He's running 20 or more routes in two of his last three games. And now there's no Austin Hooper. If David Njoku plays overall, like if it's Njoku and Waller, I think that's the one way you get different with a two tight end set on this slate. Like Njoku could be the wide receiver one for Cleveland this week. He could easily lead the team with a seven or eight target game. He has the upside, right? Especially in the middle of the field with a backup quarterback. And there's no doubt in my mind, Darren Waller could be the highest scoring player on the slate this week, let alone just tight end. So double tight end actually only makes sense to me this week. If you can get that specific combination of those athletic freaks with upside in Njoku and in a Darren Waller. If Harrison Bryant and Njoku are both active, I still lean to Njoku. Look, I mean, Harrison Bryant, even if he's active, I don't know how efficient he's going to be and effective. A dude is dealing with a high ankle sprain. It's not a mid or a low ankle sprain, something that takes a week or two to come back from. It is a high ankle sprain is what they are saying out there in Cleveland. It's hard. I don't think he's going to return this week. So that's where I'm at on this slate. Uh, it's an interesting slate because of all the news that's coming out, but that makes us have somewhat of an edge here and we can build any real lineup we want to. So it gives us the ability to leverage ownership, leverage the tools that we have on Patreon, get in down below if you want to check them out. And I'll be live on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. East Coast time. Uh, I don't know. It's only a two game slate, so maybe not the full hour, but we'll go as long as we need to. So come with your questions and I appreciate you all a ton. This is a fun slate. There's a million dollar to first contest on DraftKings. There's props to be taken. And again, Use that code CLASS like you're in school, C-L-A-S-S, -S, to get a free bet up to $100 and my NFL DFS course for free, those 10 plus hours of videos, if you use that code CLASS on prizepicks.com. You can tail some of the props that we showed earlier, got a bada bing, bada bang, and you go from there. Appreciate you all for tuning in. It's a fun two-game slate later in the week. Friday, final thoughts for the main slate, the main Sunday slate, the 11-game slate. Saturday, that one dude video will be out early in the morning. We'll be streaming Saturday, and Sunday we'll be live for that live stream on Sunday. So I appreciate you all a ton. Thank you for tuning in today. I'll see you in the next one. For myself, Mr. Santa Sal, to all you beautiful people out there, enjoy the rest of your day, and peace out, gang.